0: You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Good morning, everyone. My name is Keith Mayan, Director for Latin America of the U.S. Institute for Peace. I'd like to warmly welcome you all to a very special and very interesting event we will be here today. The U.S. Institute of Peace is a bipartisan public institute established by the U.S. Congress in 1984 to find solutions to violent conflicts throughout the world. We are working on a very range, a very wide range of issues in order to assist and prevent conflicts and uh, help um, uh, nations going out of conflicts to maintain peace. In Latin America, we are also acting in other countries: Colombia, Venezuela, Haiti, northern, central America, Nicaragua, and Bolivia. We are working. Both uh, ILO on uh, policy recommendations, analysis, programs, and support for peacemakers in the field. Our discussion today will be focusing on an issue as, that has been very central in the peace world in the United States, Colombia, Chile, Brazil. Bolivia and many other societies, which is the use of police force to maintain public order. This is a classical common issue. We manage to have the right to express ourselves and frustration will get people to the streets where protests can become violent. And that is happening because of lack of training, leadership, the appropriate equipment, or group or personal prejudices will lead to excessive use of force against protests, and the protests can become a combat. Dozens of people throughout the hemisphere have been killed in such situations and the bond between uh, the security providers and the public has been broken. today it is my privilege to welcome four subject matter experts from the hemisphere who will be sharing their perspectives on how to prevent escalation and create appropriate conditions so where the peaceful, protests can be maintained in the communities while maintaining communities safe and secure. Today with us are Dr. Gino Costa, former Peruvian congressman and minister of the Interior, an expert on police reform and democracy. Madison has been working throughout the sphere on these issues. His book, Besieged Democracy, is a testimony of the democracy crisis in Peru. Dr. Hugo is a, a, a government faculty in the University of Chile with a bachelor's degree and master's degree from the University of Harvard. He was the director of the think tank of citizen security of the... Public Affairs Institute of the University of Chile and Director of the Project Crime and Urban Violence, the Ecology of Crime in the Design of Public Policies. Dr. Ignacio Cano is a regional expert and author, he has a PhD in Sociology from the University of Madrid, among many other things, he's the founding member of the uh, Lab for Violence Analysis of the uh, State University of Rio de Janeiro. Andy Fernandez is a lawyer and master's degree on law from the University, National University of Colombia has been working with public and with various nonprofits on human rights and victim protection affairs she's a researcher of the organization this, and the moderator of our discussions is arturo matuta from music who is an expert of citizen security issues based in guatemala so i'm going to recognize arturo so you can proceed to lead our discussion.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome all to the virtual uh, roundtable on
0: social uh, police and social protests in Latin America. And because we have a short time, I'd like to introduce our panelists. Each will have five minutes. We'll go from north to south, starting with Hugo Früling in Chile, and then Gino Costa who will speak about institutions in peru angie fernandez will address colombia and ignacio Cano will be giving us a, a regional perspective on this topic and then we will have a space for q a and discussion with the panelists and if we have time we will respond to questions uh, through the zoom chat i'd like to now give the floor to Hugo Frulini for his considerations on the Chilean situation. Welcome. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. On October 17, 2019, we started a very long period of social uh, demonstrations with an expression of violence against public and private property accompanied by looting and other expressions of public unrest and discontent, which uh, lasted for several months in Chile, but it was previously uh, preempted by student demonstrations on 2005 and 2011. In each case, there was an expression of a very strong uh, misuse of uh, force by the Carabineros from Chile, and certainly the situation we had to regret as of 2019 can be explained by the lack of correction on the part of each administration of government in terms of the strategic practices, protocols, and standards used by Carabinero uh, enforcement in uh, vis-a-vis every situation. Misuse of course, Um, resulted, especially, in wounded people, people in shock, the unrestricted use of tear gas, in some cases directed against people themselves, the use of um, riot um, rifles causing um, uh, visual trauma and the last laws of uh, one or two eyes in the protesters. Just one month after the protests started, the Carabineros announced that they would uh, stop using those rifles when several international human rights organizations have been uh, intervened and they had stated that those rifles should not be used to avoid any injuries being caused to people. And they also insisted that it was necessary to stop using them due to the lack of training by those who were using them in the case of America's watch. And with the support of the University of Chile, we were able to establish that the bullets being used had metal incrustations.
1: Since I have a short
0: time, there's some aspects that I would like to highlight in this while the misuse of force was evident. The truth is that despite the military intervention that was decreed by the government, the curfew that the government established for 12 days, the number of deaths As a result of the actions of the state agents was relatively low uh, in about five individuals. There was not an extensive use of firearms being used to control riots and this government has cooperated with international human rights organizations and uh, opened the door to discussions with them and uh, later published a new protocol for the use of force in the National
1: Gazette.
0: Some recommendations I'd like to note based on these episodes is that the Special Carabinero forces were not prepared or have the necessary uh, staffing to deal with the social protests that extended to the entire country. There were 1400 members of the law enforcement uh, that had some degree of training and they had to turn to a greater... Staff that didn't have any training in the rest of the country. In the end, more than 20,000 Carabinero law enforcement agents were controlling the violence, which led to a uh, situation of turmoil, uh, out of control, and misuse of force. Now, too, it would be impossible to understand what happened without alluding to the 12 prior episodes where there was not a proper oversight and correction on the part of the civil administration in office at the time. Thank you so much, Dr. Sully. We now recognize Dr. Gino Costa. Please. Thank you, Dr. Three factors have contributed to the serious human rights violations in the Peru protests. First, the deterioration of democracy and the growing impunity of law enforcement. The uh, Peruvian Uh, Democracy is in crisis since 2016, which has led to um, rotation of the command's lack of uh, authority and the absence of um, accountability by our security forces is a major factor because of the major that's that we had in the investigation that was carried out the, vis-à-vis the repression, violent repression of the 2020 protests. The investigation was shelved, and the Congress let all these forces and uh, asked the prosecutor's office to just look at that. And this does not explain the. Uh, misuse of forces, the use of these forces that are inadequate have not done their job and since sometime now they have not used properly their police force. Second, the, this uh, manifested itself in the way the government dealt with it and it they called for immediate elections, snap elections, and they opted for an aggressive response to mostly peaceful um, um, demonstrations where, while there was looting. And then also, this uh, led to a crackdown that repressed people vis a the deaths. The government did not change their political discourse or the protocol, and they did not hold uh, the Minister of Defense of the Interior responsible for what had happened in the Prime Minister either six days after the Huamanga deaths because of the military repression. The government did not announce any investigation leading to the replacement of any operational command because of the results, and also no... Uh, action was taken, and it, it has taken too long, six months after the start of the protests and multiple reports and media reports, the police are still there, and no measures has been taken with uh, alleged responsible people, and the army has not been prosecuted because of what happened in Guamanga, and uh, also the... Uh, projectiles that were used are the same use by both the police and the military in the involvement of both military and police and several victims got bullets on their chest and brain while they were saying that they were not dangerous. As a result, all the government has uh, declined in its level of popularity in the protests uh, that were Uh, carried out, um, and many of these protests that were unpopular became uh, looked at with uh, good eyes, and what is quite clear is that this is a drawback in our human rights for various um, Peruvian families and for democratic living together, and it's also uh, adverse to the investments in the country, though, though the country is still polarized and uh, do not approve of the performance of the um, security and law enforcement forces, uh, some would approve it, and it would be very difficult to recover from what has happened and restore uh, citizen security. The adoption of certain measures would could lead to restoring this situation. First, the Uh, Dismissal of Roberto Cano, the minister, for his resignation, and also um, taking measures regarding them, and also uh, proper investigation of the cases, fourth exercise of the uh, elections learned, and also the installing of cameras to control uh, law enforcement operations and controlling munitions used by police and also the proper use of intelligence. It would be recommended to create a national directorate for human rights in order to develop a democratic doctrine on protest control by using the proper protocols for law enforcement operations and develop a training and equipment program to build the prevention national prevention system and peaceful solution of conflicts at the level of the cabinet of ministers and finally to strengthen the foundations in order to modernize and streamline our law enforcement as approved by the government in 2021
1: thank you Dr. Costa, I would like la to la de recognize de
0: Angie Fernandez, so Colombia. she will talk about the situation in <inaudible> Colombia, please. Thank you so much for having me. Equitas, Equitas is an organization that follows an approach on human rights. <inaudible> the situation in Colombia <inaudible> is Based on this forensic approach to the human rights situation, and I would like to relate some of the facts that occur in the case of Colombia, while the global attention has been focused in Colombia since 2019 to 2021. Because of these events, this is something that we know, and we've had more than 20,000 or 12,000 um, occurrences of um, unrest and protests around the country. The social outbreaks resulted in a serious impact. Uh because of the violence involved. First moment was when the we had the initial outbreak and some of the authorities in office reacted by enforcing controls through their law enforcement. And the second time second moment is when they addressed these legal mechanisms being enforced after the implementation. Of these uh, regulations on the use of um, the police force, the number of people who were killed and were victims of violence in different cases, people who went missing, or disappeared, and had to be uh, reported in the police or the authorities said that all people had been accounted for and also cases of sexual violence and injuries that are not related to the traditional violent uh, things that occurred during the demonstrations of people who were stabbed or received uh, bullet impacts or all types of uh, injuries. The result, so a very serious situation of violence in the country. There are a number of myths around social protests in Colombia, but there are very specific triggering factors that have enabled these facts to occur. And these might be considered invisible or minor factors, but they do have a major impact. First of them is the very ample discretion that the authority have for using force, as per the existing regulations and standards, our forces are required to exhaust every peaceful method to deal with these protests. And most of these reactions will occur because the space between dialogue and the use of force has not been clearly defined. So it is not at all clear what are the specific procedures that should be completed before resorting to the use of force. And in most most cases, they will use force immediately. It is presumed that there is uh, an initial um, dialogue, but then they will resort to action. The second factor is that in Colombia, social protest is legally authorized, but there's still standards in place that will hinder the implementation of those social Protest in a way which is not so well regulated. For instance, in Colombia, the possibility for people to uh, stop traffic is banned. There are uh, standards in the penal you know, code that someone who will obstruct traffic will be penalized uh, because we need to ensure. Uh, public law and order and citizen living together. And this is used as an element to to law enforcement or using uh, firearms. Some are less lethal, but they're still being used to deal with uh, political confrontations or any other type of protest. So there is this power discretional power that these authorities have to decide when to use uh, police force in this will provide a legal framework for them to decide what type of weaponry firearms uh, will be used and the number, uh, the type of personnel that will get involved in it. So that is a major factor during protests, there are very few checks and controls, checks and balances in place. I mean, when the protest starts, they will exert control, but later on they will also use controls, but they are less. And we have found that such controls in terms of accountability, are minor in nature and the processes that will go on for 10 years. Uh, Many of these court proceedings uh, instituted will take more than 10 years and there will be no result at the end. And um, besides that, we have looked at many violent scenarios that will occur in very specific sites where these protests or demonstrations will take take place, but it will go beyond that. It will follow up on protesters, try to control the people who participated in those um, protests, which is an arbitrary action to do. Sure, we will, shall continue shortly. Now we'll give the floor to Ignacio Cano for him to provide original perspective. Dr. Cano, thank you. In Latin America, we have problem of misuse of force that can be divided in two components. One, the use of lethal force in fighting organized crime through a military paradigm. Those who are uh, criminal suspects are considered to be enemies and they have to be taken down. And We have a project for the use of lethal force in Latin America with many countries. And we found that many summary executions in Brazil, Venezuela, um, Ecuador, Mexico, and other countries in the region is the case. In point. And also the second point is the use of lethal force, and this is where the social protest comes in. And the use of lethal force against protest can become lethal, as we've seen it in Colombia and other countries, and it can lead to serious injuries, as we saw in Chile. Central point here is how the police will deal with the social protest. By and large, the police will not consider it as a democratic right, but as a thing to be dealt with combatively. And when we look at civil rights, it is possible to use police force, but that should be done from the standpoint that a protest should be protected and not fought, which is not the case in the region. So here you have the two basic paradigms with the police. There's a police to preserve the government, political police, and there's a police for protecting social rights, which is the classical paradigm you see in England. And Latimarka is undergoing a slow transition to that model. In America we see many traits of the police being used as the government regime police. And since protests are against the executive power and they come under the executive power, the risk is that they will use police to quash these protests. And this is not unique of Latin America. We see it in many countries in the world, but it's all too clear in this region. And also the aggressiveness of some protesters who become violent can be used as an excuse to quash the protest violently, as was the case in Brazil in 2023 with their mass demonstrations. And in that regard, there have been uh, allegations in various countries that the various state agents are infiltrating demonstrations violently, precisely to justify an indiscriminate or wanton repression. This indiscriminate repression is um, reinforcing the protestant leads to a vicious cycle. It is also common for demonstrators to be treated differently according to the political trends. For instance, last year in Brazil, the uh, extreme right um, demonstrators were very carefully treated by the police while the left-wing uh, Demonstrations were dealt with very violently. The times we are living now are of great dissatisfaction with the people because of authoritarian governments and increased social protests. So it is very important for us to pay attention to this issue of how the police deals with the protest. The uh, law enforcement of these protests should abide by technical protocol, not so much of political intervention. Eventually, since the police will obey the uh, executive power, they will have a different attitude. And we don't want that. The way these protests are being dealt with, should be in a technical manner uh, complying with protocols which must be public and agreed by people. The public should know how the police is going to deal with a demonstration and what are the measures they're going to take to reduce the question of authority. Despite that, what we're seeing in these countries is the opposite thing. For instance, in Chile, recently there is a new law that has been enacted that gives the presumption of legitimate defense or self-defense to the police, so something that has caused injuries or wounds to someone will be treated uh, as legitimate self-defense and the uh, courts will condone it. And there are protests such as that going on in the continent. In other cases, with the application of uh, terrorism labels to it, we've seen it in the U.S., the United Kingdom, etc. And what's happening is that they're giving them carte blanche to the police and they will do can do anything they want and they will be justified ex post facto and with this, we need to deal with the increase of oversight and control both internal and external mechanisms for police um, performance. Without those external and internal control um, mechanism, we will continue to see more injuries and excessive use of force by the police in the region. Thank you. Now I would like to open up our space for exchanges between the panelists. In order to uh, incentivize our panel discussion, I'd like to start with a couple of questions that would be the basis for our discussion. Again, the issue of political scandals and the public opinion that has been generated as a result of these situations of Misuse of uh, police force have been very important at the time, but it would be very interesting to get to know how this issue remains in the political agenda uh, of each country in the region in terms of controlling the use of force. And also an issue I'd like to raise is the changes that technology have brought about in terms of organizing social protest situations. Perhaps in the past, this was a bit uh, more clear in terms of who were the people who were leading a protest situation and there could be better mechanisms to articulate or coordinate with the authorities to know when and where these protests were going to be staged. And now the situation is pretty different. Many times the protest situations occur spontaneously. They're being organized through social media and this will further hinder the possibility of giving a democratic and respectful uh, response to human rights what are your comments or reactions to it dr Fury? we will start with you and then you can all chime in later.
1: Um, yo hacer un yes, thank you very
2: much. I would like to make a quick comment based on the observations uh, made by Gino and Ignacio concerning uh, policy and the police response to social protests. I think it's really important, therefore, uh, in, to say the following. Uh, First off, when it comes to policing, you have this context in in most of our countries where there is little legitimacy or support for democratic institutions. And that does have other effects. First off, or the first effect being that people tend to take to the streets because they feel that political institutions are not representing their particular interests. And obviously, that leads to conditions that cause police to use force in response. But secondly, looking at the case of what occurred in Chile, I find that the tone, the narrative of who Supervises the state is essential in order to promote the conditions to reduce tension and resolve the and resolve any matter in a peaceful way.
1: While the government
2: initially will often m- make use uh, of. Uh, efforts to condemn violent acts by protesters, there's often an escalation in repressive or oppressive actions when in the Senate and with the authorization of the government, an agreement was reached on November 15th that sought constitutional change it was clear that tension reduced and although uh, protests continued they were less it- they were less intense and I want to sort of complement what Ugo is saying, agreeing with him, saying that the tone of this political discourse is necessary when you are deciding how the police are going to respond. And the police need to have technical protocol
1: so that when they
2: have to take action,
1: that they not be
2: obligated to accept this. Uh, For example, I've seen situations where the government demanded that the police eliminate uh, an uprising at all costs, and the police responded with technical parameters. I think that the government, on one hand, has to have a tone of reducing tension, and they have to have a tolerance for uh, democratic protests, but there needs to be police authority that has technical tools to resist some of these demands from the government that, sadly, uh will will uh will be president in the case of colombia it would be essentially the exact same thing as you know the current government which is a more progressive government,
1: uh,
2: has a tone within some police authorities, especially at the local level, uh, that is, I mean, that tone sort of goes against protests that we're seeing, the new uh, movements when it comes to how uh, to generate control, how to aid, and how to protect protests. Uh, In Colombia recently, uh, we've seen some legal reform initiatives when it comes to the police as a structure uh, and specifically uh, the entity that's uh, in charge of of suppressing protests uh, and riots specifically we do see that uh, action has been going down but in some areas the more practical approach at a local level tends to be violent and i say this uh, because in addition to the factors that uh, have been mentioned the tone of the national government and the existence of protocol it is important that we also generate mechanisms that will allow us in some way shape or form to depoliticize the police so that the police can do their job that would truly allow them to protect people's rights at a local level. In big cities like Bogota, Cali, Medellin, it might be a clearer change. But in remote municipalities, those changes are harder to
1: identify.
2: If you'd allow me, uh, just saying I completely agree with the importance of a relationship between politics and po- and policing, uh, like Hugo said, and with the comment also given by Ignacio, in the sense that this is a shared responsibility and police institutions should be ready, should be professionally prepared to respond within the framework of the law uh, it, although the climate and the general orientation that could that a, that a particular government might give a directive for example might lead to the police acting in the margins of the law acting against protest protesters ac- accusing them of violent acts or uh, accusing them of terrorism which causes the rise of a climate where the police act within that context Obviously there is a political responsibility there because there has been an inadequate response and the police have really gone beyond what they were supposed to do in terms of keeping these uh, protests under control. I want to mention an additional aspect, which is the use of firearms in particular uh long range firearms used in peru for example during these protests nothing uh, keeps that from occurring that's within legislation but you know it has to be an exceptional uh an exceptional measure um an extraordinary measure. When that use, however, it goes inadequately controlled, uh, like what happened in Peru recently, that can lead to occurrences like what we happened in uh, in the case where six people died in one day, or 10 in one day in Huamanga, or 18 or 19 in Culiaca. And so I feel that this sort of begs a special kind of dialogue and regulation, uh, highly detailed regulation, in order to avoid the bloodbaths that we've witnessed. Many of the national institutions continue to deal with authoritarian frameworks, and we haven't been able to reestablish democratic institutions like we need in Latin America. And in that sense, the dialogue that has been mentioned as an important tool, not just to arrive at agreements on how...
1: Uh,
2: how we deal with these things, but what exactly are the, the possibilities for dialogue in each one of these countries? And also making reference to those really interesting uh, situations, or maybe infrequent, uh, where the police has been capable of technically uh, putting the presentation forward of using force and opposing policies coming from above in states that continue to uh, that that remain under authoritarian. Uh, control. So whoever wants to answer, by all means, go ahead. Arturo, among the things that I've mentioned that I believe to be necessary in Peru, for example, is strengthening a national prevention system and peaceful management for social conflict, which has been uh, under construction over the last 20 years. It's had highs and lows. And clearly didn't work given these protests, which were
1: highly political and we
2: could say, occurred in a surprising way after the failed uh, auto coup uh, by Pedro Castillo. And there was, an, there was a situation where the protests didn't really have a clear face or a clear message, and we just couldn't establish dialogue with the protesters. In addition to the fact that there wasn't will from the government which had adopted a more aggressive dialogue, a more aggressive narrative against the protesters, as I've said. So the government eliminates the possibility of a political exit from this situation and they opt for an uh, an oppressive measure. So when it comes to looking at managing social conflicts over the last 20 years, which have been very violent, the need for adequate mechanisms of dialogue is fundamental to avoid having these conflicts uh, from turning into major turbulence at a at a population level, and this would allow us to address the problems that underlie the protests themselves, that aren't being addressed. I think that that's absolutely necessary in the case of Peru, and I think in all the countries of the region. There are systems like these, and we need a professionalization initiative. We need to train, professionally train, the staff members and the personnel who have had to learn on the ground or who have had to learn in the moment. Uh, But it hasn't been a real professional preparation for those
1: who have to enforce the law in context
2: of social conflict. And if that doesn't work, then recourse to uh, police force is the last uh, option. And that's where we deal with uh, violence and human rights violations that we've seen throughout the region. I wanted to come back to what Gino said. Uh, Concerning the legal limit, which we've been mentioning for a long time, we need to have laws on the use of police force, specific laws. Generally they don't exist throughout the region without any exception. That would really explain what the general parameters are. But beyond the law, I mean, there are very specific matters that can't be included in legislation, and so they have to be in the technical Technical protocol, how the police address protesters, what their previous contact with them has been, the possibility of having ununiformed police uh, or in, police in civilian clothing to get information on what's going on. There are lots of elements that can't be included in the law that are just too specific. And we have to understand how complicated this is the use of force, because the use of force is progressive uh, depending on what's going on with the protesters. It depends on many factors. It's not that simple. And then you also have to uh, think about what Gino and Ugo were saying. Um, Sometimes, if there's an emergency because of the protest is too big, you need contingents of police who haven't even been trained. That's really dangerous. Those police officers don't have any training to deal with those protesters. They have to have specific training within the police, and those need to be the people who are trained. The people who are trained need to be the ones who are called to deal with these situations. Uh, yes. Uh, I completely agree with what Gino and Ignacio have said
0: I do want to highlight uh, an
2: additional complementary aspect shall we say we have to have a strength a police strengthening process in a democratic sense and I'm not talking about the ex- of democratic policing that was used in the 2000s. I'm talking about something that goes deeper than that. We are experiencing political constant political volatility and the governments can alternate. Uh, in Chile, we are now looking at the possibility of going from an, a leftist government to a government that's much further to the extreme right. And that has an effect on the relationship that we have with social protest, given that we need police officers who have a a sufficient amount of independence and conviction when it comes to a democratic a democratic doctrine, not just to be able to overcome that pressure, but also so that they can be effective in controlling protests because often, and what we see is an excess of oppression but when there's ineffectiveness from the police they make use of pressure within the public to use armed forces and then the the medicine ends up being worse than the disease so at that point we have to have some kind of some kind of support for a process that is very much damaged and has been incredibly unsuccessful in the region when it comes to police reform. And the final thing, just to close, is that even knowing the protocol and following up on that, there will always be a space for grey areas. And because of that, the training and Preparation for police officers must be on a case-by-case basis. It needs to depend on situations, and they require a legal training as well. They have to be very clear on what techniques are for De-escalating conflict. Taking a question from the chat. Uh, it's a question from Dr. Fernandez on the Colombian situation. Uh, they're saying that the police in uh, in Colombia are also racist. That Afro descendants have been disproportionately affected by uh, excessive force by law enforcement. So, what differences have you seen in terms of these protocols? Uh, namely, uh, Miss. Uh, uh, doctora fernandez if you uh, dr fernandez if you could uh speak to this and then maybe we can go to the other speakers i think that the uh, country really is for all yeah all countries i do think that there is racism and i think that within the the protests we did see situations where it was very clear that, in addition to the police, uh, you know, we saw special corps in neighborhoods that traditionally uh, or tend to be where. Afro-descendant people live. You have a lot of indigenous people living in those neighborhoods. There were many deaths and a whole bunch of tensions rising. There were injuries in Colombia. It was clear. I mean, the amount of progress in the protocol to Implement these perspectives. Really, it's it's minimum. It's a, it's at a minimum because the protocols continue to be very general in nature. I I just don't think that they incorporate any of these perspectives in the protocols themselves. In fact, uh, even those that require uh, detailing many of the aspects uh, contained, it, it's it's just they're so general that it would be hard to integrate any focus at all. Uh, you could also say the same thing when it comes to uh, gender perspective because it's it's not very clear whether or not that that is being implemented except maybe in a few cases. Yes, I agree with Angie. The Inter-American Commission for Human Rights also recommended for Peru the adoption of an intercultural perspective when it comes to managing social protests. In the protests that we saw throughout 2020, at a national level, they were peaceful uh, and there was no police violence. In Lima, there was police violence. In this case, we see the opposite. Que ha sido Police violence has mainly been in the uh, in the interior of the country, in the south, where you have a population of people who are Andean descendants, uh, indigenous populations. And that has led to actions that we didn't see in November of 2020, where they didn't use lethal firearms, uh, they just used uh, pellet guns, and this time they've used firearms, uh, not only in Lima, but uh, in the south uh, for this particular case. And that has led to the need uh, that we've expressed to have an intercultural focus or perspective in managing protests. And I 100% agree with everything that Angie said. And in that sense, when it comes to racial bias in the work of the police, it also happens in Brazil and in other countries. It's really important that we collect data, that we collect information, because this is not something that happens only in social protests. It's something that has to do with the police in general. But many of our countries don't have data that would allow us to understand when the police stops black people or white people or indigenous people. We don't have information on when the police acts in a certain way in a certain way against one group or another. And so I think the first measure is that police action should be recorded with information on the ethnic identity or the ethnic information of the individual that's being stopped by the police or that the police has to intervene with well there have been expressions of racial oppression that uh, have been identified and expressed by a national uh, human rights group in the macro southern zone uh, where you do have a low intensity conflict but that has been going on for quite a while between different areas in particular now What we've seen is that there's proof of this occurring uh, here as well. Now, there isn't any evidence that this is what we're seeing in this particular case. But one of the most important elements when it comes to irregular migration, for example, uh, within the country, in addition to the general debate on the matter, I think that it really opens the door for the phenomenon of racial discrimination to occur by police, by the general population, and that can really show its full colors. That's certainly a a clear uh, danger that remains present to this day. Arturo, if you'll let me mention the the, the, the subject area of technology uh, in this particular uh in this particular area of discussion this is something that can lead to mass protests and it makes it hard for governments and the police uh to respond to them that's true but it's also true that technology today uh as i've said makes it so that uh, police deployed out on the uh, at the local level or anti anti riot forces. You know they can incorporate a camera, for example, that allows them to see what's going on uh, at the ground level, and it's to protect the police. Uh, from the protesters, and also to control the use of force by the police. Uh, this, complemented with drones, can allow a, a an operational center. Uh, of course, with uh, cooperation by officials and uh, politicians, it would allow those places to follow information as it's uh, as it's uh, as it arises, um, and it. It can be filmed and reviewed later. We can learn many lessons from it. Today we can get we can get basically everything on video. Something that a few years ago were, was not possible. Today, technology. I hope our police uh, forces will use them. I, I hope that our police forces will use that technology. And oh yes, okay. Uh, and concerning what Gino was saying, I think that that's very much true. Our experience has been that there needs to be internal social control when it comes to police force. Uh, Because yes, uh, the police could announce that they're going to wear cameras during protests. Someone does need to make sure that that's actually happening, that those cameras are delivered by the police, and that later on somebody analyzes what happened in each of the cases. There's one situation, a very specific case, where one protester was thrown off of a bridge uh, into the Mapucho River uh, that was practically dry, and in that particular case the police wasn't wearing the camera or he had his own camera on him and he was sanctioned because of it uh, and the trial remains pending i of course believe that Uh, we need to see greater will from the police uh, to cooperate with these measures. I would also like to say concerning the controls themselves, this, just like any other tool, requires a series of protocol and adequate procedures. In Colombia, it was announced, for example, that the use of drones uh, occurred not only in the specific case of the protests, but it was also used to follow up or or continue monitoring protest participants uh, later on illegally. Uh, and they were detained or arrested close to the home after having participated in these protests. So it's supposed to protect people within the uh, framework of maintaining control, but inadequate control can lead to situations like these that were reported. And so any technological tool, and I do think that the drone is a very obvious example, uh, but any kind of camera uh, can have that sort of two-pronged effect. It can be protective and it can also increase risk for people who participate in in a protest context. And the strengthening process for our institutions requires a revitalization of citizen participation. Uh, And in that regard, how do you see the situation in each of your countries uh, at a regional level as well? What is the prospect of maybe having greater citizen participation in supervising and controlling police forces in the region, and how can a Political Testament supports such participation. Well, Arturo, I do see this with great concern, because some of the laws that have been recently approved and some of the proposals that are also being set forth in many countries aren't going in the direction of control. In the opposite direction, in fact. The police, we're just not going to hold them responsible for anything, regardless of what they do. We're going to reduce control of police, and whatever they do is fine by us. So I am deeply concerned, uh, and so social participation would be an important factor, but often what we see is a a movement in the opposite direction um, uh, against social participation and against control measures, sending that message that whatever the police do as a public authority is perfectly fine. And we're already living that, because as an agent of the of the state, the police officer already has a privileged position, or is already in a privileged possession, position. Uh, people who are suspected of having uh, carried out a crime will be at a disadvantage. Uh, What we see is that in many countries, this privilege uh, for the police is being increased uh, and control is being reduced. Obviously, when there's a huge scandal, governments say, no, we do need to control the police more because these scandals have
1: have arisen but as an institution
2: it's not convenient like it doesn't can it, it doesn't benefit the police for there to be more control the police want there to be social control but that's not exactly what's occurring in many countries I think accountability in Colombia uh, for what the police does and what the mechan- the control mechanisms are uh well, have have gone through different stages there are standards procedures that seek to generate control over the use of public force or police force. There have been some reforms uh, that allow for citizen participation, but they only go so far. For example. A procedure that establishes the use of force for the police was debated by organizations and, among other things, they asked that in the space where some of the decisions were being made that there be participation from civil society and this came as an order from one of the highest level uh, uh supreme courts in uh in the region and that didn't occur and that remains to, and that continues to be the case so there's the possibility that you might have some kinds of control but not others. And when it comes to uh,
1: <clears throat>
2: accountability later on, when you look at uh, investigations that are carried out, there is a rule saying that when there are serious violations of human rights or serious injuries or situations that go beyond uh, the, uh, the purview of the actions that the police can take, it should move towards these investigations. And what we find there is that in the majority of these investigations, it doesn't lead to that level of authority. And so it, that's sort of what we see. I, I what I'm saying is that when it comes to the practical procedure itself there is flexibility for implementing some of these factors. It's not total. Uh there are limits and when it comes to uh <coughs> control later on in the process it's much less the possibility that there will be an opportunity for participation. Uh and these ta- these cases take a long time to be processed. Cases that Uh, Rose 15 years ago are now coming up, and that's something that certainly impedes the accountability process.
1: Pardon me,
0: Hugo, would you like to say anything? More than the civic engagement in general for the reasons referred to in by her, I trust more on the participation of institutions uh non-profit professional organizations that are objective in the case of Chile the human rights Institute played a very important role in this regard their volunteers um, and volunteers who went to precincts were able to get into uh, those areas and prevented the police from committing many more abuses, and I will also say that the the national um, body responsible for implementing the treaty against torture visited uh, penitentiaries, uh, detention centers, and people who for various reasons were incarcerated. I think that those mechanisms do have a fundamental effect. I completely agree with Hugo and Arturo, our case, the only thing that has worked are the external controls, the national, international human rights organizations and the independent media in order to account for what has happened and demand explanations from the authorities. Unfortunately, this has not resulted in a change on the attitude of denying all this on the part of the uh, authority. and of course, this will, in one way or another, mark the uh, future uh, of democracy in in in, uh, in these times, and uh, we will have to. Um, you know, try to make them abide by what the human rights organizations telling them to do, that doesn't happen. Our democracy will continue to deteriorate with the implementation of a new arbitrary system for the use of force, especially in our countries according to recent surveys we can see that this is a basic concern for the peruvian uh, public we are going beyond our time allocated to this event and i would like to thank you all so much for your participation we're hoping to continue to develop this uh, dialogue and uh Our intent has been to contribute to a greater understanding of the situation in our countries and also identify more opportunities and policies that can help us reduce police violence and promote accountability and also promote the contribution of the academia and government officials and non-profits responsible for law enforcement in the region. We are also responsible for providing a better training to police in the region. I'd like to thank you all for the time you have given us, and also to all those who have registered to attend this event, and we will meet again soon, the next time. Thank you all. Have a very good afternoon. Thank you for listening to this event.